0: And today is also a really special Sunday because it's the first week of our new series on the book of Colossians. So it's really a a pleasure for me to introduce this uh, book to you today. And I wonder how many of you here have ever struggled with your vision. When I was younger, I had an amazing eyesight. And when I got to the age of about over 45, um, I started realizing that I'm struggling to see the small print, so what happened is my arms started getting longer and longer, you know that? when you're reading something, and it's just like, "Oh, you know, I, I can hardly see this." And eventually I realized that I had to go and have my eyes checked, and where they you know they have these letters there, and it's like, "Can you see this row and Then can you see the next row and the next? And, you know, I'm a bit of a high achiever, so I don't like getting these things wrong. (laughs) But eventually you have to admit, well, I just really, really, really can't see those letters. And then they put these lenses on, and now can you see better now with this lens or that lens? And I know all the optometrists in the room are nodding their heads now. (laughs) And, you know when When I got my glasses and then eventually I got contact lenses, um, I, I was amazed at the new vision it gave me. Um, even I remember driving to work thinking, "Gosh, you know, I can see so much now. Was that tree really there you know before no, it wasn't that bad, but uh, I'm joking, but really. Uh, It it was amazing just the the new vision it gave me. And my vision was corrected, and I, I could now see what I needed to see. And as we step into the book of Colossians, this is my prayer for you that you will, that you, if you have any cloudy vision about Jesus, that this vision is going to be removed and that you will see Jesus more clearly, that you will see him for who he is, you'll see the wonders of his person. And you will understand what he did for you on the cross more fully. Because as we step into Colossians, this first century church was under attack about this very thing. There was heresy creeping into this church that was trying to cloud their vision concerning the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And these false teachers were trying to persuade the Colossians that the person and the work of Jesus Christ was neither supreme nor sufficient for their salvation and human flourishing. So as a result of this, this church was being robbed of her security in Jesus Christ alone. And so, you know, as we go through Colossians, we are going to focus on different aspects of the lesson of the letter, and today we are going to focus on our salvation and redemption. So we're going to see what the Apostle Paul said about that, and to give you a little background, the Apostle Paul is the author of the book of Colossians, Um, and he wrote this letter while he was in prison in 60 AD. So you might wonder why I'm giving you this history lesson, but because when he wrote it is actually very important. It was 60 AD. So it was, was, there were still people alive that had seen Jesus risen from the dead in 60 AD. So it wasn't hundreds of years and centuries after the resurrection that the church was being attacked in this way. You know, it, it wasn't just like centuries have gone by and then people are concocting some, false beliefs about our faith it it didn't take very long actually for the church to be attacked in this way and although people were following Jesus in the Colossian church they were growing in their faith I mean they'd heard the gospel they'd heard about the grace of God there were actually two main uh, a mixture of two main heresies that were hitting hitting this church so what were they well the first one was Judaism you know, the first Christians were Jews, and some of them did find it hard to not still live under the law, and um, and we still have Judaism today, where people are living under the Old Testament, and we know living under the, that Old Testament demands a, a strict, literal adherence to rules and regulations, and you know, like, you have to observe the Sabbath, you you could only eat certain foods, and you um, you have to be circumcised, and so th- they d- they had to realise that the very reason Jesus came was because we couldn't keep that that law fully. We couldn't keep the law, and Galatians Paul also addressed this with the Galatians ch- church, and he talks about that very thing in the book of Galatians. So let's have a look at what he says about the law in Galatians 3, verses 23 to 26. It says this, he says this, But before faith came, we were kept under God by the law, kept for the faith which would afterwards be revealed. Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, which was Jesus, after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor, for you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus in Christ Jesus. So we see that under the new covenant, it's through faith in Christ that we become children of God. And Paul addresses this very thing in his letter to the Colossians too. And the second heresy Paul deals with is called Gnosticism. Now. Gnosticism comes from the Greek word gnosis, which means to know. And Gnostics claim to possess an elevated knowledge, a higher truth, known only to a certain few people, you know, that they have acquired not from the Bible. They say they got this from, an, you know, another mystical higher plane of existence. It sounds very airy-fairy to me. And so the Gnostics would see themselves as, as like a, a privileged class, elevated above everybody else by their higher, deeper knowledge of God. And before we think, well, that happened so long ago, how can it affect me? Let's be careful, church, that someone doesn't step into our space and start threatening our faith in Jesus Christ. Because let's be honest, you know, um, there, there are so many beliefs and doctrines around us today that, that will try and attack our faith in Christ. One of them, there are secret societies like Freemasonry, for instance, that although they, their new members are expected to acknowledge a belief in a God-like superior being, you cannot talk of Jesus Christ in their, in their society or acknowledge him as God which is totally against what the Bible says. Another movement is the New Age movement in our day and age. The New Age movement, uh, you know, they don't believe that Jesus is the only way. They actually believe that, you know, there's there's a lot of um, uh, religions that can lead you to God. In fact, they also believe that you can find your own way to God. And so we must realize, church, why does the enemy attack people in that way? Well, he tries to convince them that there's some other secret door out there. I remember in the the 1990s, when, when the Da Vinci Code book was released, people panicked. It was like there was this other secret code. Meanwhile, that book is a fiction in the first place. But, you know, I think people panicked like, you know, there's some other secret code or other secret door that that has been opened that can lead us to God and uh, which 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 is really a lie and so so we need to believe that um and we need to realize that we are also under attack in this day and age so colossians is not only about what happened to them it's also what happened to us it's, you know what can happen to us in this day and age and Remember, church, that what we believe does matter, because if you believe wrongly, it's going to keep you from God's purpose for you, and it can even ultimately keep you out of heaven. So we have to be careful. So Colossians starts with the Apostle Paul introducing himself. Uh, he introduces themselves to them. He commends them for their faith and their, 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 their belief in God and God. Um, you know, and then he, he starts uh, t- to tell them what he wants them, because what does he actually want them to know about their salvation re- and redemption in this book? And how were they supposed to respond to these things? Well, as I said, you know, he starts, he introduces himself to them. He then uh, tells them, you know, reminds them that they, they've heard about the gospel and the grace of God. He commends their pastor to them. Epaphras was their pastor, and he had planted this church, and he was also the one who was teaching them. So he commends Epaphras for that. And then he tells them that he's praying for them regarding their Christian lifestyle. And so let's pick up on this conversation as we open the book of Colossians and go to Colossians 1, verses 12 to 14. And let's see what the Apostle Paul is telling them about their redemption. So it's part of his prayer and he's saying to them, giving thanks to the father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Well, there's so much that the Apostle Paul tells them about their salvation and redemption in just these three verses. He basically tells them five things, and I want to unpack them one by one so that we can also see what the Word is saying to us about our salvation and redemption. So the first thing he says in verse 12, he says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the Lord. Won't you say to somebody, you have been qualified. And the word qualified means enabled, made meet, to cause to be adequate, make sufficient. And in the New Testament, the word is only used here and in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 6. So let's see what that says about us being qualified. It says... He has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. This is a covenant not of written laws, but of the spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the spirit gives life. You see, church, because of what Jesus did for you and I on the cross, when we put our faith in him, God qualifies us to be partakers of an inheritance. This is what Paul is saying to this church. You see, when, when we put our faith in Jesus, we inherit everything to do with the kingdom of God. We, we inherit that. And, we, and it's in the past tense. It says he has qualified us. Not he's going to qualify us. He has qualified us. You see, we didn't earn this by trying to be good enough. Over the years, I've often had people say to me, well, Deja, I don't feel good enough to be used by God. Listen, church, you will never be, feel good enough to be used by God. It's not, it's not by our works. That's what Paul is saying. It's by what Jesus did for you on the cross. He qualified you. The minute you receive Christ as your personal Savior, He qualifies you to be in His kingdom. And what I love about this is we don't have to wait to heaven to be qualified. We are qualified now. So know today that as a Christ follower, you are qualified. You are enough to be what God wants you to be. His grace makes you more than able. It's by His grace. Amen. So the Colossians were encouraged to believe this, and so should we believe this. The second thing he says to them in in verse 13, he says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness. And, church, again, it's in the past tense. You already have been delivered. And delivered means to rescue from danger, to save, to preserve someone. And you know, in, rescue involves giving aid to someone who is so endangered that they cannot save themselves. I mean, for instance, you, there's a drowning woman out there, and you, the lifesaver goes in he rescues that person. Now, they cannot save themselves; they're dying. This is what this word means—that uh, th- you know. Salvation, and we see this, is not a helping hand to assist you over the bumps of life. Salvation is a saving hand. We were utterly helpless to save ourselves. That's what it means. And so God came and saved us. Jesus has delivered you. Past tense, he has delivered you. He's rescued you from the power of darkness, from the horrible grasp of the the enemy, and, you know, Jesus is all you need. And I want you to believe that today. Jesus is all you need to be delivered. He's, he, when he died on the cross, the Bible says that he brought the power of darkness to nothing. My pastor in escort used to say, you know, nothing is a nought with a ring knocked out. It's so nothing. It's so nothing. God, Jesus brought the power of darkness to nothing. So the Colossians were encouraged to see Jesus as their deliverer. I want to say to you today, for those of you who are struggling with whatever bondage you are struggling with, there's no power out there that can keep you in bondage when you bring that bondage to Jesus. No power. No power. He has delivered you from that power. That's what the cross did. So if you are struggling with a bondage, keep bringing it to Jesus. Keep bringing it to the cross. It will break. It will gr- break because it doesn't actually have the power over you. The enemy laughs to us often. says, oh, you know, you'll never get free. While well, you are already free. Believe it and receive it. The next thing that Paul tells them is that God has conveyed us into his kingdom because it says in verse 13, and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. And the word rendered conveyed here is often used in the sense of removing a people from one country to another. So it means here that as Christians, we have been moved from one country to another. We have been moved from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. We've been transferred you know, I've had the privilege of traveling to other countries, and what's always fascinated me is how different it is overseas. Every, every country has a different government, they speak a different language, they have a different culture, you know, there's so many different ways, they have a different currency, even. And it's like you're stepping into a whole new world. And to travel to those countries, you need a passport, and then you get into an aeroplane. And it conveys you to that new destination. Well, when you receive Jesus Christ as your personal savior, it was the vehicle that God used to convey you, to transfer you from the kingdom of darkness into a whole new country called the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus said you're in this world, but you're not of this world. We belong to another country. And this didn't happen gradually. It happened abruptly at salvation. The minute you received Jesus, you were conveyed. You were transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. You are now in a new kingdom under new authority. Jesus is our king and leader. We have new laws that govern us. It's the word of God. Okay, that's our, that's our law. That's our constitution. It's the word of God. And we 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 belong to a different community called the body of Christ, all of us here. We live differently and we even think and speak differently. We have our own Christian language. Language like you must trust God with that, brother. Or oh, God can set you free from that, sister. Where's your faith? Put your faith in God. Your faith in God can move mountains. We have a new language. We don't talk like the world talks. And what I love about this, again, it's already been done. It's already been done. Paul encourages the Colossians to realize this, and so must we. He then tells them in verse 14 that we have redemption. It says, in whom we have redemption through his blood. And the word redemption means to buy back a slave or captive, to make them free through the payment of a ransom. So Paul tells the Colossian church that the blood of Jesus was payment of that ransom. We are redeemed through his blood. You see, sin made us captives, and therefore we owed God a debt that we could never pay. Romans 6.23 tells us that sin has wages. You know, we owed a debt. It says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, Christ Jesus our Lord. So we were in slavery and bondage, unable to help ourselves, but the blood of Jesus shed on the cross was a price paid to release us from captivity. We are no longer uh, slaves. You know, a March 2011 issue of the New York Times, I just want to tell you this little story. It featured a story about a 51-year-old ex-convict named Robert Saltzman. And after a horrific childhood, Saltzman spent most of his adult life in prison. So when he was released from prison in 2001, Saltzman found it difficult to enjoy freedom outside prison walls. He was struggling to pay rent and he often ended up in homeless shelters. Finally in June of 2010, Saltzman's life was transformed. While he was riding a New York City subway car, Richard Ernesto Green found him. Now Green, he was a writer and director of films and he was looking for a man to play a tough looking former convict in a film he was directing. After an audition, Green surprised everybody because he gave Saltzman the key role in the film. In the following months, Saltzman found it hard to believe that he'd gone from prison to stardom in a major motion picture. In fact, on one occasion, they were filming on on location in a Long Island penitentiary, which is a jail, um, where an exhausted Saltzman fell asleep on a cot in the prison cell. When he woke up, he became confused and thought he was still a prisoner. He started weeping and then then it dawned on him that he was now a free man. Saltzman knew at any moment he could walk out of that cramped cell and through those prison doors and he was overwhelmed with joy. And church, this is just a small picture of what happened when God redeemed us. He brought you back out of prison. He made, he brought us out of prison and made us stars in his kingdom. Say to the person next to you, you're a star. You're not a disaster. Okay. You're a star. (laughs) Because now we are free. We are free. If you've received Christ as your savior, you are free. You are free to be all God wants you to be. Jesus has paid the price for your redemption. So you can walk out, walk out of any cramped cell through those prison doors and be overwhelmed with joy. I want to say to you today that if you are struggling in bondage and you feel like a prisoner, you can walk out of it in Jesus' name. And I, de- I, I declare that over you today. I break those chains over you that are holding you back from being all that God wants you to be. Jesus paid the price to set you free. His blood was poured out. He paid a high price for our freedom. We don't have to stay in bondage. We don't have to stay in any prison. Like the Colossians, let's continually be reminded that we have redemption. The price has been paid. And then Paul tells them also in verse 14 that they have the forgiveness of sins. And the word forgiveness here means the act of freeing from an obligation, guilt, or punishment. It also means pardon and cancellation. You see, the apostle Paul wanted the Colossians and us to realize that in Christ we have been forgiven for all of our sins. It's a complete and it's a complete pardon. I love the word cancellation. It's a total cancellation. You know, and and that's not just for every sin you have committed. It's every sin you're still going to commit. Our sins are forgiven. They've been canceled. So don't let the enemy tell you that you've committed something now so bad that you can't be forgiven. Listen, Jesus paid the price for your forgiveness. We are forgiven again in the past tense. We have the forgiveness of sins. Say to someone next to you, you are forgiven so let's thank god for all these things he told the colossian church that we, we we god qualified us we are delivered from the power of darkness we are conveyed into his kingdom and we are redeemed and we are forgiven but to know this church is the first step We see in this book that Paul prays for the Colossians to live in the fullness of it, because I want to ask you today, having heard all of this, are we living in it? Are we living in the fullness of this? And so let's go back a few verses to see how he prays for them to live in the fullness of their salvation and redemption. And it says in verse 10, it's part of his praying now, he's praying, he says, I'm, you know that you might he's praying that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. so the first thing we see here that he's praying for them to walk in that fullness is verse ten, he says that the Colossians will walk worthy of the Lord and fully please him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So through this prayer, Paul is telling them, you're not saved by good works, but you are saved to good works. After you're saved now, God wants you to be productive. Won't you to to somebody around you and say, be productive? And how he's praying for them to be productive, he says that, You know, you will increase in your knowledge of God because he knew that fruitfulness and knowing God come together, go together. So church, let's do what is necessary to increase in our knowledge of God. You need to grow. You need to grow in your faith so that you can walk in the fullness of your redemption. You need to grow in your relationship with God. And we all know it takes time. We need to spend personal time with him in prayer and worship. We need to study the Bible. Some of you need to get more committed in church even, committed to go to our discipleship program so that you can learn more and increase your knowledge of God. And when you do, you'll become more productive. You'll know more and you'll be able to do more. Um, And, you know, Paul knew also that when we get to know God more deeply, we will serve him more fully. Some of you, I think you just lack knowledge. You just lack knowledge of what God wants you to be and do. And, you know, when we, when we grow in our knowledge of God, um, then we want to, our desires will change. Our, our desires will start aligning with his desires. We're, we will start wanting to share the gospel with others. We'll start wanting to serve more in the church. We'll start wanting to show people the love of Jesus and the c- compassion of Christ. And this all comes, and this is what, this will make our redeemed lives have an impact on those around us because we are saved to make an impact. We are not redeemed and forgiven just to sit and be lazy and just, um, you know, I'm going to heaven to heck with everybody else. No, God wants us to reach the world. He's called us to be uh, effective in the world. And the second thing he prays there, he says, that, that they'll be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. I love this next thing that he prays, because God wants us to be strong. God doesn't need a weak church. Won't you say to someone next to you, "Be strong?" But Paul realized that, you know, they could not serve God in their own strength, and we were never meant to. We need he says, according to his glorious power. So that's what we should pray over one another, Lord, that you will strengthen them according to your glorious power. And I pray that over you today, that you will be strong. And, you know, um, and when you're weak, the Bible says when we are weak, then we are strong in his strength. And, you know, God wants to infuse our lives with his might and power. And this is why God also baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. We need to seek that because God, that's God giving us his power to do his work. So let's allow God to strengthen us today as he did with the Colossian church. And lastly, he prays that they will be strengthened for all patience and long suffering with joy. Won't you say to somebody, be patient? Be <clears> patient. <throat> And you know, the Greek word for patience means forbearance or the restraint of wrath. Another dictionary describes it as a state of emotional calm. Listen to this one. A state of emotional calm in the face of provocation or misfortune and without complaint or irritation. So the Apostle Paul reminds the Colossians and us that in living this redeemed life, we must learn to persevere with patience. Paul knew, and they were going through some hard times. And it's foolish to think that as a Christian, you will never go through hard times. But can I tell you today, church, you can outlast your problem. If you will hang in there, and I know there's some of you today, because God showed me, that you want to quit. You're at the the end of your rope, and you you feel like you want to quit. Listen, I pray that you will hang in there. Be patient. He said here also, patience and long suffering with joy, with joy, that you will be patient with a smile on your face, that you will keep calm in the the problem and not lose your cool because your breakthrough is on its way. Your breakthrough is on its way, but sometimes we have to persevere a lot before that breakthrough comes. But you will win every battle you face if you will persevere. I've known Jesus for over 40 years now, and I can tell you that. You can outlast your trial, and you will overcome, and you will be victorious, and the the devil will not win in the end if you will just be long-suffering and patient. And we need to pray that over one another. So we learn here from the Colossians that to live in the fullness of what Christ has done for us, we must be productive, be strong, be patient. Won't you say that to someone? Be productive, be strong, be patient. So having looked at this letter, I pray that our vision is much clearer now. And as we go into this series, I know our eyes are going to be opened much more. That the things that are clouding your vision of who Jesus really is, even in your own life and situation, that your eyes will open and that you will realize the amazing work he did for you on the cross. And I hope that you can see more clearly now how much he loves you and that he paid an enormous price, church, to set us free. So I want us to just take a few moments now to think about that. So why don't you just close your eyes? I just want you to have a few moments with God because life gets so busy out there so let's just take these few moments to think about these things and maybe you realize that your Christian life has not been as fruitful and productive as it should be when you make a commitment right now you know what what is blocking that. maybe it's you know maybe you need to build your relationship with God more maybe you need to get more involved and committed in this church what is it going to take for you to become more productive? Will you make a commitment? God is calling you. I see God calling many today. He's saying, I want to use you. I want you to be more productive, but you need to uh, get more committed to Him, to, even to, to your involvement in church. Or perhaps you've been trying to serve God and live the, the redeemed life in your own strength. Will you surrender those areas to you? Those of you who've been wanting to quit, you're tired, you want to give up, won't you surrender that tiredness that we, I see somebody exhausted, like you feel exhausted and it's like, Lord, I just don't know if this is worth it. Listen, you can outlast that. Won't you give that weakness to him right now and just say, Lord, I just take over this weakness. Or maybe you've become impatient because God hasn't come through for you yet. And I want to say yet, because he will come through for you, church. He will. Maybe you're at the end of your rope and you need God to give you patience and long suffering with joy. Will you lay down that impatience right now, even repent of it? Say, Lord, I'm sorry that I wanted to give up. And will you make a fresh commitment to trust him for the long haul? And for those of you in the room that have never received Christ as your Savior, as we just remain in this attitude of prayer and as the saints are praying and making those commitments to Jesus, I want to address now those of you with our eyes closed still, just who've never met Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've heard the message today about redemption and God has qualified us and forgiven us but it's not real to you because you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Well, maybe today is your day because I pray that your eyes will open to see just how much Jesus did for you. He paid the price for you to be saved. You don't have to live another day outside of His kingdom. So if that is you today and you say, Deja, I've never given my life to Jesus. You know, there's a promise in John 1, chapter, John 1 verse 12, and it says, But as many as received him, talking about Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. So if God is tugging at your heart today, I want to ask you to respond to that call. We are praying for you. The saints in the room are praying for you today. You don't have to go to a Christless eternity. God wants to put you into his kingdom, give you the inheritance of his kingdom. So if that is you today and you say say, Yes, I would like to receive Christ as my Saviour, I want to ask you to raise your hand right now. I see hands going up there, thank you. I see hands going up everywhere. And I just think the angels are rejoicing now of these people that are raising their hands and saying, I'm done with living my own life. You can put those hands down. We're going to pray with you. And I want us all to pray with them, church. Let's support them. And I want you to just pray this by faith and see Jesus just coming into your life as you pray this right now. Just say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, to die in my place, to pay the price for my sins and purchase a place for me in heaven. I asked you to forgive me for my sins. And I believe that Jesus died and rose again. That he's alive. And I receive and confess him as my Lord and Savior today. Take control of my life and make me the person you created me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, that's wonderful, church. Just give him a hand. Amen. And the Bible says that the angels in heaven rejoice when a sinner comes home. And for those of you who raised your hand, we do have a little salvation pack at the door as you go out today. We want to ask you to take it. Um, On on the pack, there is a tear-off strip where you can fill in your details. Uh, we're going to ask you to do that and just hand in your details at our information desk there in the foyer as we would love to follow up with you and help you on your spiritual journey. So God bless. And for those of you online, your host will now post a link with that as well. Thank you.